Howdy, folks. Thanks for tuning in to a special edition of TGC Midweek. Jacob and Michael back with you on the pod, taking a little bit of a pause from our Bible overview series to talk about uh, some pertinent stuff, Michael. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, some things going on in the life of the church that we'd like to just kind of get some information out, help help folks understand kind of what is going on at this unique time in the life of our church. So um, we're transitioning from a church plant to a, a self-sustaining church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's there's some uh, awkwardness and growing pains, I guess, with, that comes with that. But one of the biggest things that goes on that we're working through right now is uh, selecting elders. So I thought it'd be a good idea for us to just talk about the office of an elder in general and why that's important. And then how do we go about selecting them at this stage in our church life, but also sort of in a steady state? Sure. Yeah, it is. Um, it's uh, an exciting time in the life of our church. Like you said, we're moving from church plant known as a mission church to our own self-governing church in our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. And the thing that I want to make sure um, happens is that everyone is up to date and in the loop uh, with the process that we've been engaged in up to this point, the process that we'll be engaged in moving forward, and then also want to let folks uh, know what to be looking for uh, when they're thinking about uh, electing elders uh, in the next month and a half. Um, what are characteristics and competencies that they should keep in mind uh, from the Bible when it comes to um, who they should be thinking about and and uh, and how they cast their vote? And so, this is really just another avenue uh, for communication. Um, we've tried to communicate as well as we can on Sunday mornings with informational meetings on our website through the blog, um, and this is just one more opportunity to maybe over communicate to folks. Sure. So. Um, I guess the, the logical place for me to start would be, um, what is an elder and what is, how do they function within the church? Yeah, well, you see um, elders mentioned on the pages of the New Testament. In fact, uh, when Paul would travel across um, Asia Minor planting churches, uh, when he planted churches before he left, he would appoint elders in each community or each church that he planted. And in the New Testament, you see three different kind of words used for the same office or the same role. Uh, you see sometimes uh, Paul refer to them as elders, these leaders. Sometimes he refers to them as overseers. Other times he refers to them as shepherds or pastors. And they're all, um, they're all basically um, different words for the same role um, or, or um, office in the church. Um, and uh, there's a few different places that you can go to uh, in order to um, get a, a sense of uh, what an elder is uh, meant to do um, and who they're meant to be. Um, and so I just want to highlight a few of these places from the scripture. Um, the probably most uh, relevant uh, passage uh, from the Bible is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, um, verses 1 through 7. And Paul here talks about the character and the qualifications uh, of an elder or an overseer. Um, and he talks specifically about godliness um, and how these men that are meant to lead the church in this role are meant to model it. And before I read this, let me just say this. Elder doesn't necessarily have any connotation to age. 
Um, obviously, with age comes wisdom and spiritual maturity. And so that is something to keep in mind. But the term itself, elder, overseer, pastor, shepherd, um, doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to be an older gentleman mm-hmm. in order to hold this office in the church. Um, and so I think that's important to highlight right off the bat. Uh, but when Paul talks about elder, this is what he uh, says that folks should be looking for. He says, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. And then again in Titus, Paul picks up and encourages Titus uh, to also appoint overseers uh, in the churches uh, that had been planted. And this is how he um, encourages Titus when it comes to uh, selecting overseers or elders for churches. He says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery, debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so those are really the two passages uh, that highlight the characteristics that folks are looking for when it comes to formal leadership in God's church. Um, and those are really kind of character um, qualifications uh, that, that Paul is highlighting there. But what does an elder do, um, practically speaking? Um, that's the type of character he's meant to have. Right. Um, when it comes to uh, elders in the church, elders in many ways are the guardians and they're the leaders of Trinity Grace's vision and mission. Um, and so an elder is really a spiritual leader. Um, an elder is another pastor is a way to think of them, although they're not, um, an or, they're not a, a vocation. They're not in vocational ministry. Um, they have full-time jobs and uh, other responsibilities, unlike ministers or vocational pastors do. Um, but elders, in many ways, are meant to shepherd uh, God's sheep. Um, they're meant to lead the church. They're meant to spiritually nourish um, the congregation. Um, they're spiritual guardians uh, of the church. Um, they govern. Uh, they make decisions. They set policies. Um, they rule and exercise spiritual authority on the on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Elders uh, also, it's important to know, are under shepherds of Christ. Um, they um, they steward um, this calling, um, and uh, and they're meant to follow Jesus in the way that uh, they care for and lead uh, the congregation uh, in which they're called to serve. Uh, I like how um, Peter puts it um, when he writes uh, about. Um, 
elders in first Peter chapter five, verse one through four, he says this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so it's important to recognize that elders are not congregationally elected representatives who act on behalf of constituencies constituencies in the church. Mm. We don't have a homeschool elder and a public school elder. Uh, we don't have an elder that is representing uh, um, the contingent that want to wear masks and an elder that's representing the contingent that doesn't want to wear masks. Um, all elders uh, that are ordained are called by God, and they're meant to follow Jesus, um, not necessarily to represent certain pockets of the church. And that's important to understand um, and, and to really uh, grasp and, and to believe in. Because uh, otherwise, it can get pretty political in a way that it was never meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so practically, elders are the keepers of the vision of Trinity Grace. They lead the church in our mission. Um, They're charged with receiving and dismissing members in our congregation. They're charged with training and examining new officers in the future, uh, being new elders and deacons. Um, they're charged with shepherding and discipling Trinity Grace's membership and really functioning as a court of the church uh, on doctrinal and discipline issues. Um, and um, before we get into the process, I want to highlight just a few other things that you should be thinking about when you think of elder. Um, what does an elder do? Um, an elder feeds the church. One of the things that I often hear uh, when folks visit Trinity Grace, maybe for the first or second time, and I ask them where they came from and why they decided to to um, come to Trinity Grace, it's not uncommon to hear someone say, I wasn't getting fed at my old church. There's not enough potlucks. Not enough potlucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're talking <laughs> about spiritual uh, nourishment, I would imagine. Um, uh, common complaint that can often be true um, because our city is really littered with churches that might no longer preach the gospel or believe the scriptures mm-hmm. uh, in the ways that uh, we would want the gospel to be preached and in the authoritative way that we believe the scriptures to speak to our lives. And so we want to be a church, and we've kind of said this from the very beginning, uh, that reaches the spiritually starving in our area. I mean, we are not necessarily in a, a post-Christian city. Right. I mean, San Antonio, most folks would claim to believe in God. Uh, most folks might even claim to be Christian, mm-hmm. but that does not mean they're not spiritually starving. And it often uh, they say that and don't know exactly what they mean. Right. And so we want to be a church that reaches the spiritually starving, and God wants his children to be well-fed. And that's why he encourages elders in 1 Timothy 4, verse 6, to exhort in sound doctrine, to preach the word, to contend for the faith, to feed the flock. And so uh, one of the things that elders are tasked with doing is feeding the church, um, spiritual nourishment from the word. Um, and they do that, um, they do that um, kind of passively uh, by making sure that the ministers in the church are preaching the true gospel, um, are applying the gospel to people's lives in, in, in good and appropriate ways. 
uh, and they can do it um, actively as well when they lead Bible studies, teach Sunday school, when they're up front leading liturgy on Sunday morning, uh, when they're leading neighborhood groups, uh, when they're teaching in TGC kids time. Um, all of these are avenues where our church elders will hopefully be involved um, in feeding and nourishing the flock. Um, secondly, elders lead the church. They lead uh, with, weak, uh, with weakness and humility and meekness. Um, they're called to lead the church towards Christ-likeness. Um, and so elders are really meant to lead by example. Um, they're meant to be the kind of men that you would do well to emulate. Um, and that's kind of what Paul's hitting on in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. Um, the husband of one, um, one wife, uh, a well-controlled family that is following the Lord, um, somebody that outsiders look up to, that has a good reputation with unbelievers, that has a zeal for the lost, um, that is gentle and kind. Um, and so elders aren't in it for uh, the position or the prestige. They're in it because they love Jesus and they're called by the Spirit to serve. And they've got a desire and commitment to see others discipled and growing in Christ too. Um, and so um, at Trinity Grace, our hope is that elders will take some leadership in the liturgy, that they'll be up front praying for the church, um, that they'll be leading us in confession of sin and assurance of pardon, um, that potentially they might preach from time to time. Um, they'll be leading neighborhood groups, and so they'll have the opportunity um, to uh, get to know folks in that more intimate setting um, and, and seek to love and to serve folks through that, through that avenue. Um, my hope is that our elders will lead TGC kids on a regular basis and be in front of our children, um, helping to shape and form them in the hope of the gospel. Um, and so those are just a few ways that um, I'm hoping that our elders will help lead the church. Thirdly, elders protect the church, meaning um, they protect the church from false teaching. Um, and so uh, doctrine, as we know, is not an end in and of itself. Um, it, it's a means to knowing Jesus more deeply. And so sound doctrine gives people a clear vision of Jesus so they can know, trust, and enjoy Him. And the elders are going to be responsible for making sure that Trinity Grace um, is preaching um, as close as we can the pure, true uh, gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And then lastly, elders care for the church. Um, They're really engaged in care of souls. And so being an elder kind of like to think of it a little bit like being a spiritual doctor, doctor of a heart, um, not necessarily a cardiologist, your physical heart, <laughs> but spiritually speaking. Uh, and like a doctor in the following areas, these things are important. Their manner, um, they need a warm, approachable disposition that breaks down defenses and creates trust with people. Um, their method, they need to work patiently to diagnose the root cause of spiritual sickness Don't just settle for surface-level solutions. Um, And they need uh, a very clear goal, spiritual wellness, wholeness, and spiritual health in people's lives. And our call as elders is really to present everyone mature in Christ. And so we apply the pastoral medicine of the Scripture to various sicknesses of the human soul, and we celebrate health, we encourage wellness, we diagnose and treat spiritual disease. Um, And... I love how the BCO, I'll just end with the responsibilities of an elder this way. Hang on. The BCO? The Book of Church Order, um, which is a part of our um, denominational constitution. 
um, which is basically outlining how the church structures itself. And so we're not making this up, by the way. <laughs> um, and that should be comforting on one hand. Even the process that we're engaged in has not been made up by me or the group of men right. that are in the process. Um, but it can also be a little frustrating because it does bind us a little bit uh, in how we go about things. And it, it you know limits some of the freedom that we might have otherwise. But in the Book of Church Order, chapter 8, it talks about the office of the elder. And in section 3 of chapter 8, the responsibilities of an elder are this. To watch diligently over the flock that no corruption of sound of doctrine or of morals enter therein. To exercise government and discipline and take oversight not only of the spiritual interests of the particular church, but also the church generally, meaning the presbytery and the general assembly, when called thereunto. They're called to visit the people at their homes, especially the sick, to instruct the ignorant, to comfort the mourner, to nourish and guard the children of the church, to set a worthy example to the flock by zeal, to evangelize the unconverted and make disciples, to take up all those duties which private Christians are bound to discharge by the law of love is especially incumbent upon you by divine vocation to be discharged as official duties, to pray with and for the people, to be careful and diligent in seeking the fruit of the preached word among the flock. And so as you think about who uh, an elder is supposed to be, um, the competencies and the characteristics that they're supposed to have, those are some things to keep in mind. Um, I'd always point people back, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1. And it's also important to understand um, that every time you see elder mentioned in the New Testament, there's a plurality of men. And uh, there's more than just one. Mm-hmm. And that keeps folks accountable. Um, and it also allows different voices uh, to enter the conversation. Um, and we trust that God is working through this group of men to care for, to nurture, and to shepherd his church. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, at this point, we have got um, three men that um, are eligible for nomination uh, to this office of elder in our church. And I'd love to talk a little bit about the process that got us uh, up to this point. But any questions? Uh, um, if you don't have any, that's fine. Um, I, what's on your mind? I think that's pretty clear. We're waiting for the phones to light up right now. But yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think there there will probably be some questions on process. So let's spend a little bit of sure. time there because there is a pretty robust process. We've teased this a little bit uh, in the last couple minutes, but... You know, I've been associated loosely with churches in the past where elders came and went, and I wasn't really sure how it happened. And it always just kind of seemed like it was this rotating group of the pastor's best friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's definitely not the case here because the process is pretty um, strict and robust. So tell me how that works and tell me how it's different for uh, the stage of life uh, that we're in right now versus a steady state church. Yeah. Um, and so in many ways, we are about uh, three years old when it comes to worshiping together. Um, so we're about to celebrate our third year of worship this February. And um, the process of God raising up formal leaders has really uh, been happening from the very beginning. But we really started formally identifying and trying to train leaders uh, about seven months ago for the past seven months. Um, and so... This past summer, what we did, and we tried to announce it as best we could, is we hosted a ministry leadership class 
uh, on Sunday afternoons uh, for 12 weeks. And that was open to anyone and everyone that might like uh, to learn more about Christian theology, the Presbyterian church government, and our philosophy of ministry as a new church for this part of San Antonio. And then from that class, after we got through the 12 weeks of theology and church polity and philosophy of ministry teaching, um, I sent an email and asked everyone to give feedback on the class and then also to indicate whether they feel an internal call um, towards uh, formal leadership in the church. And there were basically three options. Uh, the first option was I sense an internal call to formal leadership. I'm unsure if I sense an internal call, and I don't feel like the Lord is calling me at this time. And anybody that returned that um, that survey and marked, um, I feel an internal sense of call, uh, or I'm unsure, um, that triggered um, more personal pastoral conversations with those men. And so um, from those personal pastoral conversations, um, three men kind of entered into a season of more in-depth training over the course of three months, um, October, November, and December, um, where we touched on the role and the function of an elder, uh, where we touched on what it looks like to have conflict in ministry and in the church and work through conflict. Uh, we talked about sessional alignment and how important it is for us to be on the same team and the same page and where we want to lead Trinity Grace um, with vision and mission. And then we spent a good portion of time on biblical um, theology and church polity. And we had the chance also to visit another session meeting in town where these men were able to lay eyes on a session meeting in operation to see how it functioned and how it was formatted. And then we also just spent a lot of time in prayer uh, with each other um, for God's leading on a regular basis. And the training led to a series, people should know this, led to a series of written exams so these men took written exams covering the Bible, covering theology, covering the book of church order, our polity, and then cover, uh, covering their Christian experience. Um, not only did they fill out uh, questionnaires and exams, their wives also filled out questionnaires about their sense of call and their you know, what they uh, saw in their husband and his sense of call to this role. Um, and then after those written exams, these men came before the presbytery. Uh, there was a commission formed by the presbytery. There were three teaching elders and three ruling elders on this commission. And these men um, were orally examined as well on Bible, theology, book of church order, and Christian experience. So they were put through their paces pretty well with these examinations. And... Um, the commission of the South Texas Presbytery couldn't have been more uh, encouraged with what they heard and saw from these three candidates, um, and they unanimously uh, voted to um, uh, to sustain their examinations uh, and to welcome them into um, being eligible for nomination. And so that's kind of where we are now. These three men have uh, been deemed eligible to be nominated to the role of ruling elder or the office of ruling elder in our church. And for the next week and a half, um, we're receiving nominations from Trinity Grace Church uh, for the office of ruling elder. And so um, the thing is, you, you can nominate men from the slate that has already uh, been approved by the presbytery. So you can nominate um, from the slate of eligible men. 
And you're welcome to nominate all three men if you'd like. You're wel- you don't have to nominate anyone. Um, but we're requiring one nomination from non-family in order for these men to move forward in the process. And that would be moving forward towards election. And so once nomination period closes, if nominations are received, which they have been, all three men have received uh, multiple nominations mm-hmm. from folks outside of their family. Our plan is to call a congregational meeting for the purpose of electing ruling elders. That meeting will happen at the beginning of February. February 7th is uh, is when we've penciled that in. And so from the time we call that meeting to February 7th, which will be a month, that'll allow folks an opportunity to sit down with these men if they'd like, mm-hmm. to reach out to them, to call them, email them, ask them questions, get to know them better, learn more about you know what they're passionate about, why they're excited about um, this call in their life. And that will lead to February 7th, where the congregation um, will come and formally elect um, their uh, their leadership uh, that they'll they'll elect elders uh, for Trinity Grace Church, um, and that's kind of the process uh, where we've been and where we're going. And I'm happy to answer any and all questions that folks have. Um, I want, like I said, this to be as clear and as transparent a process as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you've got any questions. Um, uh, if folks do have questions, they're welcome to pull me aside, and I'm happy to. To talk more. So not so much a question, but just want to clarify something that I think might be confusing for some folks. And we can talk about the differences between where we are now and a steady state church in a minute. But I think one of the key nuances here is that um, the slate of people that you can nominate for elder is limited to these three men yes. who have been identified through this process. That's kind of... Um, that's kind of organic and wisdom based. There, there, it, it, it's a little bit loose, but it's kind of how you get from point zero to point one. Sure, and, and we've tried to we tried to cast the net very wide, and the funnel got smaller and smaller yeah. as we move through the process. And it's important to note that in the future, this will not work this way. It'll not work this way. Um, and so, when we have nominations for office again, which we will have on a yearly basis. Um, next time we do this, we'll have a month long, uh, a month where nominations are open and any member of our church can nominate anyone. Um, and then that triggers the, um, examination mm-hmm. process. And so the first time moving from mission church to particular church, it's a little bit backwards. Gotcha. We do all the examination beforehand and then move to nomination and election. In the future, it'll be nomination, which then triggers um, the examination, um, the discussion on character, competency, and compatibility with the current session. And then the session will present a slate of men for election, Mm -hmm. not nomination. So down the road, while now you can only nominate from the slate of eligible men, down the road, you will be able to nominate – anyone that you feel meets the biblical qualifications of elder or deacon um, in our church. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a helpful uh, clarifying point. Um, So you mentioned we're going to be doing this again in a year. Is there a cap on the size of the session um, or is there an ideal session size? And then sort of part one, a of that question is, is there like a term, uh, Mm -hmm. how long do elders serve? 
that is all um, that's all decision uh, that's left to the session itself. Okay. And so there are churches that do limit the size of the session. Um, and uh, there are a number of churches that also um, put uh, terms, term limits, so to speak, on uh, the current session. And um, it would be uh, my recommendation once we have a session uh, in place uh, to have three-year terms. And so uh, this class, this first session would be the class of, I don't know, 2024, where they would roll off in three years. They could be renominated, mm-hmm. but they would need to be renominated um, and reelected. Um, and there's also um, uh, normally um, implications for them taking a year off so they can, you know, a sabbatical, mm. so to speak, so they can catch their breath refreshing or new before they roll back on. And so my hope is that we'll have three-year terms. Two years seems a little too short. Four years might be a little too long. Three years feels like a sweet spot to me. And um, I am not inclined to limit the size of our session, um, although I do think that um, a smaller session for the size of church that we have just fits. Right. I mean, if you think about it, we've got about 175 communing members on our rolls. A few of those families have moved away. Um, and so uh, a little bit less uh, than 175 actually in town and a majority of not a majority, but a large number of those uh, member our membership or children. Yeah. And so, um, you know, three, four elders, including myself, feels like a pretty good number mm-hmm. for the size of church that we have. Um, but that's really up to the congregation, up to the session, up to the Lord's leading in the future. I don't want to put too big a um a constriction on that personally. So, gotcha. so when you, when elder nominations are opened up in the future and there isn't one, that's not yeah. a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I, you don't, don't feel compelled to even nominate one mm-hmm. of these men. I mean, I hope that they are satisfactory to everybody. You know, I would love for this to be a unanimous decision uh, early mm-hmm. on in our, in our church's life. And very often it is uh, when election time comes um, you know, the pastor is being called. Um, my hope is that the entire congregation would want to call me as mm-hmm. the pastor of Trinity Grace Church. And my hope is that the entire congregation will be excited um, about these men that the Lord has really led through this process. And, you know, we could always second guess, did we do this right? Or, you know, did we make a mistake at this turn? Should we have invited more people to ministry leadership class? And I've got to remind myself, the Lord is one, he's in control, mm-hmm. he's sovereign, and he's working through this step-by-step process all along the way. And so um, really take comfort in that, um, that we're exactly where we need to be with the exact men that need to be there. And um, and my hope is that this will be a really exciting season for our church in the next uh, two months as we install leadership. And then once leadership is installed, my hope is to really start turning our attention a little bit more towards some of the needs that our church has, specifically uh, with regard to forming a youth ministry team um, of adults that are excited and passionate about getting a youth ministry started in our midst. And then also, I really want to turn some focused attention in the coming year uh, to what it looks like for us to be a little bit more missional um, and outward-facing as Mm -hmm. a church. 
Um, and so I'd love to get a mercy and missions team started um, that's responsible for praying for and caring for our current missionaries, but also figuring out ways that we as a congregation can get out into our community with our energy and our time and really make Trinity Grace a church that Northwest San Antonio loves to have in their midst. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying we've done a bad job at that. But we need to turn our attention that way in the coming year, in my opinion. And so once leadership is established, this is kind of on the front burner right Mm -hmm. now. But in February and moving forward, that is something on my mind as the pastor of Trinity Grace is how are we caring for the youth that are rising up? And how are we going to be a more missional, outward facing congregation Mm -hmm. in this part of the city? Yeah, I think those are great things to to focus on uh, once we get rolling here. Um, I, I think we've hit all the, the necessary points here. Real quick, do you just want to, as we close out uh, this episode, do you just want to remind folks of the key dates? When does nomination close? When is uh, when our election is going to happen? And then uh, when is the session, I guess, in session? Yeah, that's right. That's a good way to put it. So the key dates, uh, nominations are going to be open through January 9th. And you can nominate on Sunday morning. There's a table in the lobby where you can pick up a nomination form, fill out your nomination, and drop it in the box that's on that table. There's also um, some literature there that helps describe a little bit more about what an elder is um, and has BCO Chapter 8 printed out so that folks can reference that as they're thinking about their nomination. So that's one more Sunday. One more Sunday you can nominate, but you can also send me nominations by Mm -hmm. way of email. You can go find the nomination form on the blog um, on our website, and you can send me uh, your nomination if that's more convenient for you. But one more Sunday, uh, but then that that whole rest of the week after that, you can still submit the nomination electronically. On uh, January 10th, um, the intention is to announce a congregational meeting that will take place on February 7th. And so that gives us 30 days, um, which is um, stipulated in our Book of Church order. If you're going to have a congregational meeting for the purpose of electing officers, that congregational meeting has to be announced 30 days before the meeting actually takes place. And so those 30 days will allow folks an opportunity to sit down with the men that have been nominated um, to uh, ask them any questions that they might have um, and, um, and basically, uh, to, you know, do their due diligence, um, as they prayerfully consider, uh, electing, um, men, um, to this office on February 7th, we'll actually have a congregational meeting. Um, and, uh, if it needs to be pushed to the 14th, we could do that in order to meet 30 days. I haven't, I, I thought, I think I counted out. I saw you counting there. Was that I did. It's days? like 28 days, 28 days. <laughs> um, you got me worried. Um, Either way, it will fall in line with the Book of Church order. Um, and February, 29, depending on how you count it. Yeah. That, yeah. If you count. If you the, count day zero. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah. I, I knew it was close. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically what I was looking at was it's four Sundays. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. anyway, um, if if there's going to be folks, yeah, we can. I'll, I'll put that in the back of my mind just to make sure that we cross our T's and dot our I's there. But February 7th for now, congregational meeting um, is penciled in, uh, in uh, for the purpose of um, electing um, elders um, out of the three men that have been nominated. 
and also calling me um, as the official, uh, as the pastor of Trinity Grace Church. Up to this point, um, I've been uh, sent here by the Presbytery. Um, I'm technically uh, um, labeled an evangelist, a church planter. Um, and uh, on the 7th, uh, the congregation will also be tasked with calling me as their their pastor. Um, and, uh, and then on February 21st, um, our third birthday, um, we are planning to have uh, what's known as a particularization service, which is a service where we'll, we'll ordain and install um, our new ruling elders, and when we're when we'll install me as the pastor of Trinity Grace officially, and that'll be just a, a celebratory service, um, and we'll have a guest preacher that Sunday, um, and that'll be the Sunday where those men officially take up their call in their office, and then we'll likely have our first session meeting um, the beginning of March, and the session meets once a month officially. Um, in order to uh, discuss business, uh, to um, deal with shepherding issues, to pray for the church, to talk about uh, vision and mission, to set policy. And these meetings are public. And so um, if folks want to be a part of those meetings, they're always welcome to attend if they'd like. Um, but normally, folks, you know, you don't get a whole lot of strong attendance uh, <laughs> if you're not required to be there normally. So um, that's kind of the timeline looking forward. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's great. It's a, definitely an exciting time to be part of this church and uh, to see it uh, grow from a, a church plant to a self-governing church. Where can folks go to uh, find some more information that uh, might be written down that they can kind of hold on to? Sure. If they want to go to org, there is, uh, if you click on the resource tab, you'll find the blog. Um, you can go click on the blog, and there uh, there is the process up to this point explained. There's a nomination form that they can uh, get, and there's also uh, a document that I've put on there that briefly explains the role and function of a ruling elder. Um if they would like, anybody is welcome to reach out to me at any time. I'd love to grab coffee or lunch and um, share a little bit more about process or role and function of elder as well. Um, and on Sunday mornings, my plan through January is to highlight just a brief aspect of the role and function of ruling elder, um, just in an effort to over-communicate um, what we're actually looking for and expecting of these elders in the life of our church. And so I know that it can feel redundant if you're one of those who is at every meeting, who's there every Sunday, who listens to every podcast, you're probably going to hear the same thing repeated uh, multiple times. Um, but please just have grace uh, because we're trying to hit everybody um, that might, you know, not be as faithful as you in attendance <laughs> and uh, and keeping up with uh, what's happening in the life of our church. That's right. All, all good stuff. And uh, as always, you can reach out to the show at qu- questions at trinitygracesa.org. And uh, if there's a question about this, uh, Michael by- might be able to write you back pretty quickly to get that question answered for you um, without having to wait for another pod. But folks, we'll be back next week to continue our Bible overview series, picking up where we left off last week with the book of Acts. Uh, so we will see you then. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you later.